Blog Talk Radio. Generations. It is the generation before this generation of madness that is mad. A legacy of insanity gifted to the children of the insane. No passing of discipline or traditions, but rites of guilt, pain, and plagues. A torch of sadness passes. It is the generation of sunshine that has left us sightless, as the children of the blind lead us toward the millennium of darkness. The generation of choice has left us no choices, as our world turns and we devour ourselves. We stare into the eyes of our children, a brilliant reflection of our image, and we blame them for what we see. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. New life for me. And I'm feeling good. Fly out in the sun, you know what I mean, don't you know? Butterflies all having fun, you know what I mean. Sleep in peace when day is done, that's what I mean. And this old world is a new world and a bold world for me. December 2nd, 2010. Black Wall Street USA is the official broadcast of Black Wall Street National. We are holding steadfast in our efforts to sustain and increase black businesses across Chicago and the nation. We're here every Thursday evening from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. 
9 p.m. right here at www.blogtalkradio.com slash cbbn. You may listen to a rebroadcast of the show at wjpcchicago.com Saturday mornings, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Our host this evening is Mr. Ron Carter, who is the publisher and editor of South Street Journal for almost 17 years now, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and the People's Candidate for Alderman of the 17th Ward here in Chicago. I'm Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's BlackBusinessNetwork.com and author of Black America, Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions, Book 1, 2010, now available on Amazon.com. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. That's how we connect. Press the number 1 if you would like to speak to our host, our guest, or if you have a comment. Before we bring the chairman on, I just want to remind you that Black Wall Street Chicago will be hosting its quarterly event this weekend. All eyes on the districts this Saturday, December 4th. This is Black Wall Street's 14th Economic Summit. This one will be held at Prince Hall Masonic Temple, located at 809 East 42nd Place in Chicago. That's 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. We want you to join us. Uh, for the festivities, and um, Mr. Carter is going to go over the agenda with us. We're going to serve a continental breakfast and a light lunch. Our national president, Mr. Michael Carter, we look forward to him joining us uh, this weekend from San Diego. Reverend Carter will call the summit to order and provide uh, a keynote report on the Black Wall Street districts across the nation, which are growing, growing, growing. Uh, we had Mr. Eric Muhammad uh, a couple of weeks ago from L.A. They're communicating now on uh, a Black Wall Street district in L.A. Ms. Felicia from CBBN joined us about a week ago. They're communicating about uh, the formation of a Black Wall Street district in Ohio. We excited uh about all the changes and the growth at Black Wall Street. We uh, also look forward to Mr. Carter sharing with us the information and direction on the second national summit to be held in 2011 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. This is Black Wall Street USA. Our call in number is 347-326-9477. Our chat room is open. Our guest this evening will be Mr. Cyron Smith, who is a candidate for Alderman for the 15th Ward here in Chicago, and Ms. Diane Phillips, who is also a candidate for Alderman in the 19th Ward here in Chicago. We're going to talk about the state of black businesses and their candidacies, and uh, we look forward to a very, very interesting night. Let's, uh, let's do this. Let's bring the chairman on. Good evening, Mr. Carter. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, Sonia. You know, it's been a nice progressive week as always. So Thursday nights give me the time to reflect along with our listeners and callers and be a lot more focused of really what happened when I come on this program. Thank you for making it possible. I should have well, told you that you. a long time ago, though, shouldn't I? Yeah, you should have. Yeah, I should have. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. All right. Uh, I, I feel appreciated, Ron. It's all right. Um, mm-hmm. 
us not, we would not have been doing this a year. I think you know me well enough to know that. But uh, and I want to remind our listeners, it has been a year. It's this, this is the uh, 97th show for CBBN, and uh, Black Wall Street's been on the air since last December. And I'm pushing for 100. I want to make that 100 by December, the end of December, before the end of the year. I want to reach that 100, that platform, that. Pivot. So that means we did more than 52 shows. We did a lot of them. Yes, we did. Oh. We've covered a, we've covered a lot of ground here, Mr. Carter, a lot of ground. And one thing that you just said, it is one of the times. So many things go on during the week, but it is one of the times during the week that we do focus in on actually what the mission is of Black Wall Street. Correct. Um, Publicly, uh, among, more than just among ourselves, we get a chance to talk to our callers and our uh, listeners, and just that to reflect uh, on exactly where we are in an open discussion. So, again, you know, it's very appreciative of how you helped put the organization in its position with this radio program. Um, So, yeah, do we need to uh, give you a cookie or something? At least, at least a cookie. That's what I want. Oh, tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow? <laughs> with my, with my tomorrow house. days, a day before the summit, you're going to ask me to go get a cookie the day before with the my, summit? With, with my coffee. Yes, sir. That's what I want. <laughs> we got a lot That'll of work be- to do, Sonia, between now and Saturday for the summit. So why you want to Ooh. ask me to do something like that the day before Summit 14? And what's the key? And what's the key thing in that sentence that you just said? You got a lot of work to do, Sonya. So you can at least go get a cookie, Ron. <laughs> Is that the way it came out? Yes, it did. You got a lot of work to do. I just said I had nothing about what Ron's gonna do tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> uh. Well, I don't want to uh, interrupt your work, you know that. I don't uh, normally interrupt people when they're working, you know, so uh-huh. it might slow you yeah. down. But I, I will I keep that cookie in mind. I uh, think they got it. Uh-huh. That's how you meant it, people. That's how you meant it. Let's talk about <laughs> working my eyeballs out. Let's talk about uh, Summit 14, Ron. Let's talk about yeah. all eyes on the district. Saturday, all eyes 4. on the district. That is so highly important, Uh, and as I be going around talking to people about my other activities, running for office and things of that nature, it comes more clear to me why all eyes definitely should be on the districts. Uh, And if you know, if I could take the listeners to a little journey (laughs) to the year 2040 where the city of Chicago passed the plans, passed the map on what 2040 is going to look like, the year 2040. And they made that approval of that plan uh, this past October. In that plan, there was a lack of identified projects in the black community. So we weren't moving on all eyes on the districts so much in relationship to what Chicago was planning to do. We were moving all eyes on the black Wall Street districts because it's what has should have been a long time ago. 
and it's a matter of neither we're going to do it or somebody else going to do it. So we actually did it, and we are at. We started three years ago with one district on 75th Street, and now we're up to 12 districts in the Chicagoland area. With that in mind, we have mapped it out, all of the city, where we're at, and it gives us a blueprint of how we are going to develop our business communities. And even though all of those districts are in different stages of their development and their implementation, it's more like it has been stamped and approved. And two of them been stamped and approved by the Illinois House of Representatives and the Illinois uh, Senate have approved these districts. So just as Chicago Metropolitan Area Planning is mapping out what they're going to look like, we have to do the same because they did not include us in theirs. So it's definitely all uh, important that all eyes do be on the districts, and that is the focus of this summit, along with there is some political overtones because uh, Chicago just got through with an election November the 2nd, and right after the November midterm election, we're running right into the municipal elections here in Chicago where we're looking at candidates that's running for city government uh, to be accountable in their positions on all eyes on the district. So those candidates that have a representation part of these black Wall Street districts, we want to know their position to move these districts for, uh, forward. And at the same time, we're looking at the mayoral candidates to be present so that they can give us a assessment and direction on how they're going to be accountable to these black Wall Street districts as well. So this is a very critical time in all eyes on the district, just so that we can see where our local elected officials are. Now, again, the black Wall Street district was a uh, um, proclamation and approved by Cook County uh, clerk, Dorothy Brown, in, in the Senate, led by Senator Donnie Trotter in the House, led by Representative Melvin uh, Colvin. All government agencies in Illinois have approved Black Wall Street except the local level of aldermen and the mayor. So this Saturday is a time for us to step forward in having all eyes on the districts, whether it is on your agenda or not, that's the purpose of the summit. So, yeah, it's, it's very important this year particular summit and as we plan our future in sustaining and increasing black businesses. Great. Now, we've had Donnie Trotter on the show and also the uh, clerk of the circuit court, Dorothy Brown. Mr. Collins, we've, mm -hmm. we've got to get him on the show yeah. uh, mm -hmm. very soon, and hopefully this December he can join us. Um, yeah, that would be a treat. And that would be that would be a treat. So we've had them on the show, and uh, what we're uh, let's talk a little bit about Summit 14, and uh, and then we're going to bring Mr. Smith on, and just give them a little capsule of what they should expect Saturday. 
Mm-hmm. Well, naturally, we're going to uh, kick it off giving an overview of Black Wall Street, our purpose, direction, our structure. Uh, we will have a uh, remarks by Michael Carter, uh, the chairman of Black Wall Street USA. There will be a, a state of the uh, black business by myself. Uh, we will address the um uh the historical nature of Black Wall Street from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh and we will give a review of what Black Wall Street some of its resolutions were over the past three years. And then from there we're going to move right into the as I mentioned earlier, the overview of the city of Chicago. What does the um the metropolitan oh Chicago metropolitan area planning agencies represent when it comes to the development and the planning of the black community. So we're looking forward to mayoral candidates to make their presentations on where they're at, where they stand, and how they're going to uh, focus in on that, taking the full consideration. Mayoral candidates got a, a a large agenda, but ours is to focus specifically on these um, plans of CMAP. In addition to that, uh, we're going to be going into, uh, again, talking about the districts, talking about black contractors in the neighborhood. We're going to have a youth panel um Mr. Quentin Love of uh, I Love Food, Food Group was going to be making a presentation. And at the end, we're going to be having some open dialogue. So it's a full agenda, as always, as we give an assessment of what we have done and resolutions on how we should move forward. Great. And we're looking for, for reports from all of the uh, districts. I just want to um, give them a little indication of what the districts are. There are 12 districts designated Black Wall Street in Chicago, East 75th Street, East Stony Island, 75th Street, 47th Street, Bronzeville, 43rd Street, Madison Avenue, Stony Island, 87th Street East, 79th Street East, Peoria, 79th Street West, Gary, Indiana, and 51st Street. So we're anticipating reports from uh, each, each of the district chairs. Uh, also, uh, Mr. Quentin Love, yes, will be joining us from the I Love Food Group. And hopefully, if you have a chance, people, uh, Crane did a really nice spread on uh, Mr. Love uh, last month, uh, 40 uh under 40. 40 right, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. It was great spread, a very nice spread. Had a little front page photo there. So he's, mm-hmm. he's doing very, very well. And what uh, Mr. Quinn Love will be presenting is an outline of the Black Wall Street Chicago's Capital Investment Fund. So that's going to be very exciting and very interesting. That's going to be a new addition to the Black Wall Street uh, platform. So you want to come out and be a part of that. Now, uh, you're listening to Black Wall Street 
USA. I'm Sonia Perdue, uh, and Ron Carter is the host, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. Let's do this, Ron. Let's go to uh, our first guest. Ms. Dan Phillips is on the line. We're going to bring her on shortly. Let's go to our first guest, who is Mr. Cyron Smith, who is a candidate for alderman in the 15th Ward. Mr. Smith, are you there? Welcome to the show. I am here. Thank you. Okay, Saran Smith, it's been a while since we've seen each other. We have talked to each other, and we go back. You know, I always looked at you as a young man, but it's so happens we have known each other for so long, I'm starting to think <laughs> that you're an old man now. <laughs> well, thank you, Ron, and I truly appreciate what you and Sonia are doing here. Um, I, I want to say it's been 10 years, Ryan. We've been knowing each other, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. makes you that makes you get old, brother. You know what I mean? Well, I'm 35, so that means we met when I was around 25. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, in that time, you have been still very persistent in your agenda, and working with at first it was called the uh the block club union then it's the block club university um still having the same focus and what prompted you first to even start the the block club union and what year did that start well uh i on November 13, 94, while serving in the military overseas off the coast of United Arab Immigrants is when I first drew out the whole vision of block-by-block block organizing to stop the violence. That's that's the reason why I do what I do is regarding the violence. So growing up in two Chicago housing projects, Cabrini Green and Jane Adams, I've been surrounded by murder, shooting, and killing when it was confined to the high-rises before it spread all over the city block by block. And so that's why I've been working for all these years doing block by block organizing is to really put a, a, a stop to this, this killing of our people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with those uh, block clubs, so what? Uh, how is it structured? Well, well, you know, it's something because it sounds like we focus on block clubs, which we don't. It's block by block organized, which is different than block clubs because traditionally block clubs are once a year block party and, and mainly the elders. This is a once a year chance to do something for the young people. Uh, my concept is more so based off what I've seen in the U.S. Navy, and that's where everyone on the ship has a role to play from the chef to the boiler tech, you know what I mean? Everybody has something to do to keep that ship operating. And so I took that same concept and said, let's look at each block and find out what each person brings to the table. And so block by block organizing is going on each block and identifying each person, they age, what it is they desire to do, what it is that they do professionally, and let's link it together. And so really, you know, I can tell you on, on uh, 63rd and Winchester, we got – 16 um, buildings there. We got eight senior citizens in the 80s. We got 10 boys that want to be a lawyer, two want to be a nurse. You know, that's what we do block by block in 20 U.S. cities, and each city is linked to a Chicago zip code to anchor us to be able to do that. Right. Now, you have um, 
you know, matter of fact, just uh, I don't know if you knew that, but I was in the United States Navy as well. And and as you use the concept of, I'll say, the Navy, everybody on the ship helps to pull it along. Uh, what about when you have one of those troublemakers? For example, um, <laughs> when you when I go on a block uh, doing some block club organizing, number no, block club uh, campaign organizing, uh, there's always somebody on the block. They say, "See that gray house over there? That's where the trouble is at. You know, that's who need to go. That's where all the trouble is at. They all nice and now since you're around." But when you go, they're going to act a fool. We need to get rid of them. How do you address things like that? Or have you well, ran into something like that? Well, the first, yeah, we run into it all the time. And, and, and what I believe we as African Americans, what we have to do is look in the mirror. Uh, okay, if that's the bad house, okay, how are you guys structured on the block? Is it just two activists and everyone else sits and look out the window and won't call the police? So before we go and do something for you, let's look at what you're going to do for yourself. Let's see what's the strengths and weaknesses of the people of this block before we try and deal with a problem. The worst thing you want to do is get someone exposed and, and their house become firebombed or something like that. Uh, so the key is getting organized. Going back to our model, let's find out how we can create an atmosphere where them troublemakers don't feel comfortable being there. Mm-hmm. Now you are um, this. You're running for alderman in the 15th ward. Yes, sir. Okay. Now this here is how many times have you have ran? <laughs> uh, six years I've been running. I've run for three different races. Um, for the last six years. My understanding is what I've, I think we talked earlier, this is the first time they were not able, they were, they were, they did not bother or did not challenge you on the ballot. Yeah, we're, we're celebrating in my camp. You know, out of six years, we finally have our name on the ballot. So <laughs> to people who don't know Chicago politics, that is half the battle right there. Mm-hmm. So what is your uh, what prompts you to run for alderman? Well, I um, the, the thing with government is, to me, government should stand in the gap when there's a gap for people and get out of the way from, and allow people to pursue life, liberty, and, and, and so forth. And unfortunately, I think in Chicago, Mayor Daley particularly has deliberately stood in the way and continue to stand in the way of the progress for the African American community. The shooting and killing example. in our neighborhood the give shooting and killing in our neighborhood. Give me an example of how he has stood in the way or contributed. I'm, I'm about to tell you, the shooting and okay. killing in our neighborhood that's occurring is primarily in the black neighborhood. We had 19 black aldermen, and he's appointed over 15. So you cannot have someone who gave you your job and expect them to fight against the person who are ultimately feeding them. And so, like, in, in um on the west side, you know, where they just appointed Deborah Brown in the 29th war, can we really expect Deborah to say no to some of their daily policies? You know, no, we can't. Because but, but did why, you indicate that he was the cause of what's happening in in in, in these particular communities? Or is that what you said? Did I hear you clearly? I'm definite. I'm saying leadership starts at the top. The captain of the ship is responsible for any and everything that happens on that ship, whether he's directly 
doing it or not. Mayor Daly is the captain of Chicago. He is responsible for every aspect of what happens. Now, if he can't do the job, then you admit that and you stand down. But you do not allow your citizens to die and you sit back and just say, you know, it's the police, it's the parents. No, you have to hold yourself accountable. So that's my philosophy on it. Well, now, taking consideration, yes, that I am a candidate as well, and even though you're in the 15th Ward, I'm in the uh, 17th Ward, uh, just a little gap between us, but you're still representing a community that I represent, which is Inglewood. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. So taking that, how do you or how do the candidates or the aldermen work in combination in the sake of Inglewood opposed to the sake of the 17th Ward, the 16th Ward, or the 15th Ward? You know, I thank you for asking that, Ryan. It goes back to organizing. And we're doing this right now in the 17th Ward for you, Ryan. When we say, Ryan, here's a list of 13 blocks, these are the ninth graders who want to become a lawyer. This is the lawyer's club for this zip code. Now, we've just given you, done the groundwork, and now you know to link your professional lawyers to these 13 um, young people in your ward to help them learn what it's like to become a, a lawyer. So by us being on the ground and getting the intelligence, we are putting all the movers and shakers and decision makers in position to just do do what they do naturally. You know, if you're a judge and these kids want to become a judge, take them down to the courthouse. So I think that's the key on how we can add value to every war in, in, in the city of Chicago is by us giving over the intelligence on who wants to do what, who's, um, you know, in trouble, so so forth. It takes away you having to be out there to do it. What's the dividing line between an, um, an alderman that is a organizer versus a legislator. <laughs> well, uh, President Obama, you know, he's an organizer. I think the key with organizer, we have to be careful with the terminology because what is organizing what? You know, because you have people who are organizing around an issue, and you have some people that's organizing around um, funding. You know, so it depends on what they're organizing. In my case. We are block-by-block block organizers, meaning we want to go literally block-by-block. Block. We're not education organizers. We're not health organizers who will just rally around an issue. And so for for me, the way I see it is as the uh, alderman, we're going to continue to go block-by-block block to assist and put us in position where other wards can, can make it easier to uh, access their people and know how to help them, if that answers your question. So how... Uh well, taking the point of a legislator um, and using one example is that, and I'm not for sure if this this uh, the, this TIF goes through into the 15th war, but there is a TIF that mm-hmm. I know that the uh, the 17th war, the 16th war, and the sixth uh, war share mm-hmm. uh, as a legislator. How do even you, um, or do you intervene? Because your legislative actions is definitely citywide, but your 15th ward represents Inglewood, 
just as the other three that are part of that one tiff that's part of Inglewood. You understand what I'm asking or? Yeah, and, and and I think, Ryan, it goes back to block by block. I believe, and, and hopefully all legislators would take this approach, before you make decisions on anything that's going to impact the lives of the constituents you serve, that you talk to them. And so the way I see myself working that is block by block, we make sure that we get our people's input. With that input, the people who want to go a step further can become part of the advisory team to offer real-time suggestions after they do even more due diligence. And from that, we make our decisions and we go forward so that you don't have a person that's just doing something because they think it's right versus listening to their constituents. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Ron, would you hold on for us? We uh, want to sure. bring on our other guests and want you to still stay on the line so that we can have some further dialogue. But we're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to uh, bring on the uh, candidate from the 19th Ward, uh, Miss Diane Phillips. Uh, Sonia? Hey. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. We're here every Thursday evening from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. right here at blogtalkradio.com slash CBBN. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477, 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. Our host this evening is Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, and candidate himself for Alderman of the 17th Ward in Chicago. I'm Sonia Perdue. And uh, we're listening to Mr. Cyron Smith, candidate for Alderman of the 15th Ward. We're going to take a short break, as Mr. Carter said, and we're going to bring Ms. Dan Phillips, a very interesting woman, as she was at the last summit, also a candidate for Alderman in Chicago of the 19th Ward. We appreciate you, and please be sure to tune in every week right here on Blog Talk Radio. A successful special event can be very challenging and stressful at times. Our staff of professionals organizes your event down to every last detail, no matter what size your special event may be. Our creativity and attention to detail turns your ordinary party into an extraordinary event. At Andy Clyde's, world-class service for our clients is standard. We can provide travel arrangements, accommodations, event sites, caterers, florists, photographers, transportation, hairstylists, and makeup artists, favors, daily plans for guests, and pre-event information such as detailed maps, save-the-date cards, and invitations. Being a custom event planner means that we cater to you. We are not locked in by guidelines passed down by corporate. It is our job to find the best possible way to present your event. We have been referred to as dream weavers because we listen to what you want and get it done. Our specialties are the vacation packages. Visit our website at www.ndclides.net to see examples of what sets our services above others. And remember, at Andy Clyde's, we are your
Thank you for listening to Black Wall Street USA. We're here every Thursday evening, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. To promote your products or services on the air with us, give me a call at 312-239-8835. And remember that this show is rebroadcast every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. on WJPCChicago.com. Want to remind you that all eyes are on the districts this Saturday, December 4th, as Black Wall Street plays host to Chicago once again for their 14th summit. That's at Prince Hall Masonic Temple, 809 East 42nd Place in Chicago, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. We will have a full agenda that day. We will be serving a continental breakfast and a light lunch, so please come and join us for the entire day. Wanted to share uh, something else with you. Um, I am the author of Black America, Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions. It's my first publication. First publication. I'm really excited. And uh did my first book discussion this week at the Avalon Public Library. And I hope that you can join me for the next upcoming book discussion, which is Tuesday, December 14th, 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Woodson Library. And that's at 95th and Hostage. Have a great library over there. And uh, we look forward to you being with us. Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions is a formalized five-part question and answer session that began this year in July and ends with the last publication in 2014. Uh, That book is now available on Amazon.com. This is a series of books where we challenge black America to collectively engage in a dialogue that we hope and pray and envision will initiate some solutions to our collective concerns and issues, pretty much like what we do on Black Wall Street USA. My vision for the 2014 publication is Black America, Our Questions Answered. Watch for our radio and TV broadcasts where we travel travel across the country, this country, and ask Black America the tough questions. Now, um, I got some feedback this week, and it was not all from Black America. So visit our website. It's going to be uh, some interesting dialogues on that blog. Uh, AskingOurselvesTheToughQuestions.com. You'll find the uh, first series of questions for the book discussions on that website, and we want to invite you to answer the tough questions. As a matter of fact, the second book in the series is Black America, Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions, the 2011 Experience. And I am not the writer of that book, Black America is. We're going to take the answers from the questions. I am. I'm saying we. I am (laughs) going to take the answers from the questions on the website, and we're going to publish those selected ones in that book. And we're also going to give Black America an opportunity to ask the tough questions. So this is not all about me. It's about you, Black America, and I appreciate the support from all my friends on Tuesday. It was a great discussion. Let's welcome Ron Carter back to the show with his guest, uh, Miss Diane Phillips, who is candidate for alderman in the 20th Ward, and we're going to bring Mr. Cyron Smith back on the air. hope you didn't uh, mind that little shameless, PR that I just did. Welcome to the show, Diane. Ron, you're back on the air, and you are too, Cyron. Thank you. Hi, thank How you. How you doing, Ms. Phillips? Diane you Phillips. there? How you doing? How you doing? I'm here. I'll connect you. Okay. Well, you know, I'm just going to piggyback off of um, 
Sonia, and I don't know if it's like one of those tough questions or not, but how are you going to win in one of the most historical, somewhat segregated communities in Chicago, uh, even though it's not a segregation like the historical Bridgeport, uh, have the neighborhood changed, or is it something that you got that uh, that can overcome those barriers in the 19th Ward? And if you well, can describe what the 19th Ward is <laughs> for our listeners based on how I make a statement like that. <laughs> well, first, um, I would like to say thank you, Thank you, and a thousand times thank you to you, Mr. Ron Corder, as the uh, president and CEO of Black Wall Street. I think this particular program, along with your producer, uh, Mrs. Um, Sonia Perdue, is something that people need to to tune into and connect to on a regular basis, not only every Thursday but every Saturday as well. Um, because my race is built on the fact that it's not necessary for people to just sit back and wait for something to happen. They've got to get in the game, uh, and that's why I've gotten in the game. It doesn't matter to me that my face is black and my hair is nappy. Uh, I was born to black parents. Um, I, I can't say that I had a um, horrible childhood where I didn't have a mother and a father, et cetera, et cetera. But I can say that I was definitely moved by the movement of Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and our own uh, Harold Washington. And that's what basically motivated me when our um, our esteemed alderman, um, Rugai, Ginger Rugai, announced in August that she was not running. Uh, that told me that there were uh, opportunities that, um, that I might want to take a look at. Um, and that was the, the sole reason why I, I, you know, decided to put my hat in the ring, if you will. The fact that um, my husband and I have been here, we've raised our biological child. We have one biological daughter who's 37 years old, but we raised 12 other boys uh, that are not our biological children here in this home. How um, many boys? We were 12. 12, 12 nephews, boys, you raised 12 yeah, nephews, boys? cousins, fifth cousins, and then on and on and on. Oh, my uh, and it gosh. Doesn't stop, but on our own dime, you know, we didn't get any assistance or anything like that. We did it because we love our family, period. Um, and when we moved here, um, the critical point that most people, I don't care what color you are, what racial ethnicity you represent, you come here because the color of living in Beverly Morgan Park is green. If you got the money, if you got the credit and the wherewithal to have a home here, you have a home here. That's it. You enjoy the, the trappings, if you will, of living in an environment where it is relatively safe, at least heretofore it had been relatively safe. The schools are, um, are relatively good in terms of the public school systems. The parochial school system is world-renowned here if you choose to do that in terms of the Catholic schools. Um, the public transportation is superior to most suburban areas, period. Um, and so it has a lot of advantages, and it gives you that small-town feel. That is what young people always want to look for when they uh, come together to raise a family. 
Um, and that is the singular point that my husband and I looked at when we selected this community, coupled with the fact that my husband um, at that time, 30 years ago, had just been hired as a Chicago police officer. And the requirement of the city of Chicago is that for all Chicago police and fire, at least, they must uh, live in the city of Chicago. And so we had to pick a community that um, that would be friendly, if you will, to Chicago police and fire, and this is, is one of those communities. And so that's why we moved to Beverly. Um, the fact that well, I was uh, nothing to do with it. I mean, in my view, but, you know, I obviously Well, let me uh, give you uh, uh, a little <laughs> assessment here is that I think, uh, <coughs> pardon me, is that I used to live in that uh, community mm-hmm. as well. And when I was uh, looking for a home, I I think for the reason that everything that you said is the reasons why uh, my uh, former wife and I chose uh, Beverly as well to live. And it wasn't nothing about integration or anything. It was about, wow, this house is nice. Let's go for it. Uh, But prior to that. And the houses in this community are, are unique. They really are unique. It's not. Uh, like in the 21st Ward, most of the houses are very similar to one another. But Correct. in yeah. the 19th Ward and in the, well, 34th Ward, too, they have a lot of similar, similarity in those with those homes. But in the 19th, yeah. you have these oversized lots with these beautiful houses, and there's a variation, even if you may have a house that's similar, it really isn't. I mean, you could look Correct. at it a little Correct. different. Exactly. Right. No house on the, the block looks alike, oh, yeah. almost. I, you know, that, there's, there's some bungalows and some, yeah, there's some bungalows and some ranch houses in the area, exactly. but mm-hmm. 90 percent of all the uh, houses, none of them look alike. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But when we were looking for a house, uh, mm-hmm. we went to a real estate agent, and the real estate agent informed us that you might as well forget about moving in this area because the people mm-hmm. do not move out. They stay, and ain't nobody selling. You might as well look for another neighborhood. They right. somewhat kind of convinced us, but mm-hmm. when we actually went to another real estate, we found out that there was a house for sale just about on every block. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also found out, and I'm not for sure if this is uh, unwritten law or if it is a law, that the population of Beverly have to remain the same. Uh, are you familiar with any type of uh, uh, law or ordinance that says that Beverly cannot decrease or uh, one race or increase another based on its population parity? I don't know if there's an ordinance that specifically speaks to that, but I do know that it has, since we've been here for 30 years, this area, the racial ethnicity has remained the same. It is still predominantly uh, Caucasian, mostly Irish Catholic in this community. Um, There are, however, um, enclaves of other racial ethnicities, including African-American people, and Asian people that now live in this community and have for the last, like we've been here for the last 30 years. Now, in terms of an actual ordinance that says it needs to be a certain amount of people um, in the community, I am not familiar with that. And if I were familiar with that, I would challenge that because that's illegal. You can't 
tell a person they can't live in a certain community because they have to be a certain race and we want to make sure that we maintain that race because that's called redlining and there are provisions in the federal statute that prohibit that. You cannot discriminate against people for housing. Now, this area has been known to do that. Um, that I do know, um, and people that that live here uh, that I know of, you know, bought their houses from other black people. For example, my husband and I bought this house from a um, Chicago police officer who happened to be black who was buying a larger house, you know, a mansion here in the Beverly area, and that's how we were able to get connected. Well, when I was about ours, we bought it oh. from a Caucasian couple. Caucasian yeah, Caucasian yeah. A lot family. of the people, a lot of the people that uh, are on my block and that I've known that live in this area bought from other black people. So therefore, you know, you, there may have been some issues with regards to redlining and trying not to allow others to get into the community. But if it was, it, it's I guess it's with anything else. If you've got the money, you've got the credit, you've got the loan, you can you can move in here. And people don't, you know, steadfast. I'm not that steadfast. They shouldn't be. I know they are, but they not. They should not be that steadfast on denying a person an opportunity to live in a community where their children can can have the um, spoils, if you will, of a um, suburban like type small town community. Mm-hmm. Now, taking the, uh, um, I guess, the demographics, comparing uh, the 19th Ward to the 15th Ward or the 17th Ward, and right. as you, as as I hear you, you seem to be a progressive in your um, potential legislative agenda. How would you relate to what is uh, happening in the 15th Ward in your legislative agenda representing the 19th Ward? Well, I think everything is connected to everything else. When I say that, I mean we are all one city. And if the top money, if you will, is being misappropriated as they're advertising and have been advertising and informing people throughout the city, that it's been misappropriated, whereas um, areas such as the 15th Ward are not getting nearly the amount of money that they should to rebuild Inglewood, if you will, versus um, the downtown wards is the first ward and the second ward, they're getting all this money. And the regentrification, say, for example, that's happening in Bronzeville, all of these wards somehow are magically getting the top money where the the other ones are being left out. Um, I think that there needs to be some sort of parity among what goes on in each ward. If you have a population of people who need <clears throat> this TARP money, which is backed by the federal government, then it should be equally distributed. It should not be set up. It should not. It should not be based just solely on the fact that um, you know this is my uh, friend and uh, he is one of my buddies, and therefore. I'm going to allow him to use the TARP money to develop some property in Inglewood, um, but but I'm not going to do anything in terms of helping a black entrepreneur get a contract to do the same thing. When those types of deals go down, those hurt everybody, especially when it's based on government money. If you are a private investor and you're using your private money, that's one thing. But if you are a private investor and you're using government money to dictate how the the game should be played, 
that's where there's a problem, and that is why I need to be alderman of the 19th Ward, um, because we need to have parity not only um, within the city of Chicago and the halls of government. We need to have it throughout every single ward, every 50 ward, all of the 50 50 wards within this great city of Chicago. Um, Time is out for nonsense. Time is out for all of this discrimination. Time is out for people to, to just be so mean and hateful to one another and greedy and not take it take into account others that um that may not have as much um wherewithal or money or whatever to try to access uh, the government money to improve their communities the um black wall street and i'd like to bring uh mr saran smith in on this question as well in which uh the black wall street has uh been working with a group called, uh, well, not working with, but they're part of Black Wall Street, addressing uh, parity as far as the automatic menu uh, based on the the automatic receipts of like $2.3 million a year uh, to designate how they see fit uh, of different infrastructure improvements in their particular ward. Uh, however, the parity part comes in is that, um, say, for example, the 15th Ward, uh, when it comes to that infrastructure of uh, of the work, uh, is not in parity of the population of that particular mm-hmm. community. And right. then if you look at the uh, 19th Ward, maybe they in the 19th Ward don't care <laughs> if it's in parity of the contracts because that particular war is more um, uh, job-ready uh, on its own and right. don't care about it. But at the same time, it would be questioned if the if the 19th war is 30% black, should mm-hmm. the automatic menu represent workers that are 30% black and that should the automatic menu be under the alderman contract procurement authority or the alderman have authority over Mm -hmm. the contracts at least for the automatic menu uh, budget in this ward. Um, Ms. Uh, uh, Phillips and then Saran. Yes, I agree with you, uh, Mr. Ron Carter. I think that it should be under the control of the alderman and that there should be a team of people. Uh, In any corporation, one person doesn't make the decisions or the rules. I'm used to, because I'm a small business owner, I'm used to working, and before that, before opening my business, I was a... um, I retired as an executive with the state of Illinois um, at um, the Department of Human Services and I also worked at DCFS. But when we worked, and we worked on a lot of very um, serious matters that related to children and families and people with mental health issues, et cetera, and on the face of it, people would think, oh, that's just little bitty work. Well, it really was very important because it was the human capital that you have to deal with. When you're dealing with bricks and mortar, um, it's not as exciting, <clears throat> um, and believe me, it's not as challenging. Um, when you're dealing with people, um, because people are human beings and they have needs, 
and they're not going to always be as predictable as the brick and mortar, if you will, you learn a, a greater appreciation for how you develop and how you work in a team and effectively work in a team, a diverse team. Um, it doesn't say that the alderman has to be um, a white person, if you will. It could be a black person, but we could all work together for the betterment of the community, period. Uh, the other piece in this ward that um, is very prevalent is not necessarily the contract procurement. Most of the people here are medical doctors, lawyers, business people, architects, um, university professors. So they're not. So they really wouldn't care about the automatic they're not, menu. Right. They're not. Menu. Well, they're not um, as they're not uh, indigent people. As to me, I mean, I may be indigent, but everybody in the ward is not indigent. You know what I'm saying? Um, so you would support people, the uh, legislation uh, in city council to uh, have the parity of the automatic menu and the contract procurement under the jurisdiction of the alderman? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. What about under you, the, uh, Saran? How do you feel about under that? The, oh. Under the auspices that the ward, the 19th ward, would more or less operate as a team effort as opposed to a monarchy, which has been the case for the last 20 years. There should be a team of people that weigh in on how all decisions are made. I think that shows, you know, because the aldermen are really like little bitty mayors of their communities, and with these communities being so big, they're as big as some small cities in the United States. And so with that being said, they should be able to function as a team. I, I truly believe that, not as a monarchy. We're not in the United Kingdom. We are in the United States, and it should be a democracy set in motion where a team of people more or less uh, collectively come up with the best plan to solve some of the problems that everyone is experiencing in the community. Yeah, Saran, how do you feel about the automatic menu being under the um, uh, the administrative Contract procurement of the ultimate. Absolutely, uh, local government. We we have to get back to where the people have a say in what happens with their tax dollars. So I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. So with with both of you, and I think uh, Ms. Phillips touched on this a little bit, and I can kind of propose this here to you, uh, uh, Saran Smith, is that would you interfere? on a people issue in another ward based on the code is don't butt in on another alderman's issue. Is there with you or how would you divide the line if you see that there is a vote in city council that really affect the, uh, well, take, for example, the Walmart situation. Uh, where that was an initiative of the 21st Ward, but the city council took the position uh, to delay that particular ultimate action, Uh, whether they were uh, good in their decision or bad in their decision. How do you divide whether you should interfere or do you think that that should be a decision up to the alderman, taking in consideration, Ms. Phillips says, if there was a team effort from the 21st Ward to say we want a Walmart 
and the aldermen presented to the city council, but the city council uh, took its position in the case of what happened with Walmart. How do you move on that? Well, Ryan, I'm, I'm going to say it like this, man. I, I'm i a military person. I raised my right hand to die for this nation. So my boundaries to me is the United States of America. It will be very difficult for me to sit idly by and allow injustice to occur. Uh, the people of the 15 war who will support me, and if they bless me with that role, they recognize that my view is pretty large. And so I have no problem going wherever the need is to help people who are uh, not receiving the help. What I will do to protect myself is I will undergird the people who have a voice in that war that's not uh, being given a platform to. Uh, the 20 zip codes that we're organizing with my charity group, uh, it will be those governors and those zip codes who will raise the issue, and we'll just support that. It's, to me, it has to be what the people say block by block, not any politician. We serve the people, so it's what the blocks say. That's what I work on. That's what we do. So when you look at the, um, uh, again, as we all are candidates and we have received questionnaires from many different uh, unions, PACs, and uh, newspapers, uh, they have uh, some of those questionnaires ask for a signature that this is your position. Um, and I'm not, as I look at it, does that bind you to their questionnaire or their endorsement uh, based on you putting your signature of this is your position, um, opposed to uh, a lot of the black community that makes endorsements, there is no signature comes along with the questionnaire. Right. You know, Ryan, I, I, on many of those brochures, I wrote that it requires more study. I'm not going to sign anything that I don't honestly agree with. And so if, if it's an issue that, that I need to study more, I'm going to tell them the honest proof. If that costs me the endorsement, so be it. I need the endorsement of the people block by block, not uh, external force. So that's my position. A lot of questions I said require further study. Mm-hmm. How about and you, uh, Ms. Phillips? Yeah, I was, I was elated to receive... Um, um, various um, requests, one from the uh, Tribune, one from our community um, paper, one of the communica- community papers, the Beverly Review. I did an interview with them yesterday. Uh, today I've received one from um, a union. Um, uh, my husband is a policeman, so we made overtures directly to the FOP, that's the Fraternal Order of Police, and asked for their support. And in the letter, of course, my husband had to sign it. Uh, there wasn't a signatory required in any of those so far um and you you're not bound if in my view to any um thing that you write necessarily but you know like everything else you have to read it carefully and make your assessment as to how it relates to you and how you truly feel my background is a little bit unique because i have been an activist my entire adult life you know when i graduated from high school at 17 right after martin luther king was murdered I was determined to change the world, and maybe I'm just crazy like that, but I really, really have some strong ideas around things and how they should go. And so if I get, for example, an issue or request uh, for information about my bio from, say, Planned Parenthood, 
um, I wouldn't have anything that would state that I object to what they're doing because I don't see it as genocide. I see it as planning, um, if you will, uh, to plan the birth of your children. Everybody should do that as opposed to doing something else in terms of the police union and in terms of the other unions that we've received uh, notices for. Uh, I come from a union family. Uh, back in 1970s, I was a union steward, believe it or not. And so I am very, and my husband, like I say, is part of the FOP. Um, well, we, you, are, uh, we are blue collar, so I have no problem with what the ideologies of unions. I mean, unions are what built this country. Well, in no general, would you. You, would you sign uh, a question to both of you? Would you sign a covenant with the voters of your prospective ward? I would I would enter into agreement because I think agreement makes sense. Um, but it would have to be a tight agreement that speaks about what I spoke about earlier, and that is we operate as a team. There is a line to hear that we work together. So the, any kind of covenant that I would do would be a covenant that would say um, we work together. If I'm elected, fine. Whoever is elected, we work together as a team, and that I think is the best way to go. Well, how specific, uh, uh, even to you, Saran, would you sign a covenant with the voters of the 15th Ward? You know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I believe <laughs> part of the challenge that we have are special interests within the ward. So I'm not too friendly to be signing anything. I believe there has to be some accountability on these special interests in the ward. So if a certain group came and said, we want you to do this, um, depending on what it is, I'm going to ask them, go talk to the blocks where you live at and let me see what they said. Because one of the things that I'm pushing is that we stop making decisions without talking to our neighbors. So if, if you come and say we want to pass this uh, health care initiative, well, what do the blocks in our ward say? Let's get that, let's hear from them before you ask me to sign something. So I'm going to challenge so are you a lot that of you will, uh Are you saying that you will... Uh, consult the voters of the 15th Ward before any votes you take in the city council? Well, Ryan, the, the way I'm organized right now, every day is a different focus. Every Thursday is health day. So on Thursdays, the people in my ward will know we are deciding, making decisions on health agendas. This is what's coming up the next two months in the city council. Every day is a different focus. So we are structured in a way where we will be able to get the input from the people, and the people who don't get their input, then we make decisions without you. But we are structured in a way so that every issue, health, safety, education, youth, we'll be able to speak what the people on the block say. So are you basically having a a platform that has been in motion for some time that would guide your legislative agenda? No doubt, definitely. I mean, that's that's the daily living habit. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. How about you, um, uh, Ms. Phillips? Is there a platform that you have been actually implementing that would guide your legislative agenda? I think um, by, first of all, being um, a Christian person is what is important in any community. Um, in terms of my personal agenda, again, I am for the people, and that is more or less how I've lived my life. Um, for but let me ask you, when this, much isn't is given, much is required. When I, people I say, if I can, just want to get a clarity here. Mm -hmm. When people say or candidates say, uh, I am for the people, I guess the same way if I can stereotype an alderman, say, uh, they have a Dodiac. 
to be on the safe side since he's no longer in office. He said, I am for the people. How do, can you define that when you say I am for the people when Vidodiak said the same thing and now he's in jail? Right, and there are a lot of people, <clears throat> Carruthers said the same thing and he's in jail. You know, there, there are many, many aldermen that are in prison or were in prison, um, and I think that that's the problem. I don't come from a perspective of doing the wrong thing all the time. I come from the perspective of doing the right thing all the time, period. I am not a criminal. I don't have a criminal bone in my body, and I do sacrifice to ensure that others um, excel, period. That's how I do my life. As I said, I'm a Christian. I am not a person who will steal, lie, and um run games for my own self-interest. I have no need to do that. Mine is pure. When I say I'm for the people, I'm for the people. I put the people before I put myself. I sacrifice, as I said at the onset. We had one, my husband and I had one biological child. Most people in this city, after they have their one child, they don't reach back to help nobody. But we decided to help anybody who needed help out of our own money. We didn't get public aid or DCFS money. We raised these children out of our own money, and we still are doing it. And we don't have well, no money. You see what right I'm saying? Now, and so the key is you got to walk the walk and talk the talk. My record speaks for myself, for itself. I am a person of integrity, of high integrity. I am not a Ed Vidoliat or, or Carruthers. I'm not going to steal from anybody. If anything, I'm going to improve my community, period. And that is what I'm about. There is, again, back to the uh, somewhat of the questions in which uh, we're looking at the uh, the city budget, which um, is sometimes out of the realm of the uh, the general lay people, and, but mm-hmm. it has uh, a major impact based on the uh, maybe the hurrah of of. Uh, uh, of Mayor Daly balancing the budget, is there a way that really needs to be addressed from both of you on this budget uh, or this shortfall, or is it a, a sign of the times throughout all major cities throughout the United States? What's happening, in my opinion, in Chicago is that there's too much corruption You've got to get a handle on corruption. You have to stop this cronyism. You have got to stop this type of pay-to-play um, because even if the budget – Well, how would you go about if, stopping even that? If, even if there is and a how budget How does that relate deficit, to the budget? Well, first Sorry. of all, you have, to have, you have to have people who are strong in terms of um, stamping out corruption. I think the current inspector general – does a fair job in terms of trying to do that. Um, But everyone has to buy into it. People have to put their greedy side in a little box and put a bull on it and forget about it. Well, if he was so good about it, how come he has not reported Mayor Daly for corruption? Well, I mean, you know, he's, he's, I I said he he was good. He's not exceptional because he apparently is also very political. Um, But, I think that if you have whistleblowers and you have the legislation um, to fight this kind of corruption, um, well, then you again, how can that be fought? You could bring oh, these people. You could bring you bring them to court. You you first of all, you have a fair procurement process. What's happening now? There is no fair 
procurement process. People of color, women, et cetera. Excuse me, not, one moment. So, Ron, is that you moving around? <laughs> yeah, I was right. Is that what you I moving around? <laughs> I, I, I'm on mute. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, uh, Ms. Phillips. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think you need to reexamine this, and it's 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 a game for a lot of people, and it's a closed club, and that has to be broken up. So you believe um, that that has a lot of corruption has a, will have a major impact on the uh, on the budget of uh, the city of Chicago. That is correct. Yes, I think that has the that's the major problem. Um, it's 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 just been an, an old boys network where if you are not part of that clique, it's hard for you to even get in to get a contract. Um, you have no big contracts that go on and on and on. The smallest things, it doesn't have to be that. If you are connected to the mayor, then you get your contract. It's automatic. If you are not, then you have to go through extraordinary measures, and you still don't get it. Um, and so uh, some of that has to be, most of that, all of that has to be eradicated because it's not going to help a city who is, is, I mean, the economy is very bad. I mean, the mayor speaks to that every day. Um, but you're not going to improve it if you don't stamp out um, some of the corruption. I think that is the biggest piece. Another piece that I think that relates to the police, you've got to have police protection and the service that they provide is insurmountable, and it is necessary to ensure public safety and the perception. Okay, what they got safety. to do is uh, the budget. And the budget must include a line item that is increased for the police. Yes, salaries. Okay, for the police well, what, um, the is, question is was extreme. based on the uh, the shortfall of the budget, and the um, uh, neither it is. Uh, uh, what I hear you saying uh, is that corruption has a major part of the shortfall of the budget. Uh, but how do is there any other means as far as addressing the shortfall of the city council budget? Well, the main piece is to stamp out corruption and set the procurement agenda in place correctly. That's the first part. The other part is to... Uh, to increase the line item for police because as you increase public safety, you decrease the budget, ideally with the cost in lawsuits, et cetera, that come as a result of that, people who are murdered on the street. There's a cost associated with that. Why? And then you have to prosecute the people who do this and on and on and on. If you cut some of that out um, or all of it out in terms of making sure that you shore up the police service, to have a professional service as it's been, then that would reduce the amount of cost that you have to pay on the on the back end. Uh, when I speak to that, I'm talking in terms of the Burge case, for example. I disagree with Mayor Daly and his entire handling of that Burge case. Uh, I'm a wife of a policeman. Um, it's not fair that Burge was allowed to torture people and still get his pension. You right. can so immediately at, stop okay. that pension, and then you'd have enough money to hire 10 police officers. Do you understand what I'm saying? Correct. That is the now, let me ask uh, Saran on that same question. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Mr. Smith, are you there? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. The city budget, I, 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 is it a matter of that's the norm of major cities in around 
uh, the country that Chicago is facing this dilemma, or do you see other ways that we can address this budget that has no relationship to the economy of the nation? Look, at the end of the day, you don't give your child more allowance if they're not being responsible for what they have. And when I look at the city right now, uh, we cannot have the 14 Ward Alderman still being driven around by police officers for a threat that happened 10 years ago. We have to look at waste and mismanagement first. And we, the other part that we have to do is we have to look at how many people that work for the city are not really performing their tasks. We have to reduce mm-hmm. government. We need to align the city council with the 25 police districts. Why do we need double the amount of lawmakers than we need public safety figures, people who are out there enforcing the law? So we, one of the things I would like to see is us go down to 25 councils. And we, we should put that out there block by block and see what the people think about that. That will save us quite a, quite a bit of money when you're not paying these exorbitant salaries. The other part is who told them to vote themselves a pay raise? Where is the city council reducing their salary? Where is the transparency? Where are the term limits? So before we go into talking about taxing us anymore, let's look at cost-saving measures that we can do internal, you know, at the municipal level first. Mm-hmm. Are you uh, are you two in favor of term limits for the uh, aldermen and for where all municipal uh, office holders, the uh, the mayor, the city clerk, city treasurer, and aldermen? Are you for or against term limits? I'm for term limits. Okay, Mr. Smith. Yeah, that's what I just said. That, that's what right, it is. Yeah, I, just, yeah, I heard yes. you say it, but I just want to get a verification that you, you are. Um, let me switch it to, uh, if I can, the the show, uh, the, the the main focus of Black Wall Street um, program on Chicago's Black Business Network. The question of black business, we understand that there is a major uh, problem with contract procurement, but putting contract procurement to the side and we just speak about the the black business lack of presence, what would be both of you all's agenda uh, to address that? Well, Mr. Smith? Well, as with anything, I believe first you got to identify what are you working with and, and then try, like, in the 15 Ward, I just met a lady that has a mom-and-pop store, actually around the old mom-and-pop store that we had over there on 55th and Hoy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, uh, okay. Great. Yeah, sister, and they, they have a funeral business it doing? as well. Is it, how's they're, it doing? They're doing okay, but nowhere near what it could be. And I told them I'm going to work with her to increase business there. But I think first and foremost, you work with what you have. So we have to identify them and get them at the table and identify the areas that they see themselves being able to get stronger at. And then we tell them what we see from the outside, and then we start working with them to strengthen. But at the end of the day, it goes back to the people, block by block, agreeing that it makes sense that these businesses are viable. And so it has them to commit. And right now, every Wednesday is economic day. So we're saying, can you make certain that at least one day a week you're spending money inside this establishment? And so that's how I plan on helping black businesses is by our every Wednesday economic day, spend money at least one day a week with them. 
Okay, well, Ms. Smith, before you answer the question, there was a business person that uh, brought to my attention some years ago. He said the problem with the black community is that we have social workers and ministers running the economics. And for you, Ms. Smith, is that the case based on the demographics of the 19th Ward? And uh, you, Mr. Uh, Ms. Phillips, and then for you, Mr. Smith, is that the case? In the fifteenth ward, is that the point? Is that is that an accurate statement? Uh, that I don't think so. From the nineteenth ward perspective, this is a bedroom community. Uh, people are really concerned about education, uh, um, the abatement of crime. Um, those are really concerned. There was a, just a, a homicide in our community a couple of blocks from my home um, on Monday night. <clears throat> That that is is something that has basically shook this community because it's not something that happens on a regular basis. Um, so people are concerned. I don't see them as being a um, um, a social work driven community. It's a family community, but people more or less have jobs, businesses, professions. Like I said before, you have architects in this community, lawyers, medical doctors, high end business people, corporate executives. So it's not like Inglewood. Um, mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's a good or a bad, but that's just the demographics of the people in this community. And with that being said, you can't really say that social workers drive this. Um, I was a social worker, more or less a, an administrator, one of the top administrators at DCFS in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. And this community was not necessarily what we would consider the big haven for foster parents, where the foster parents um, usually gravitated and where the bulk of our foster parents lived was in the south suburbs. Uh, okay, well, Mr. Uh, Smith. Suburbs, not right. the city of Chicago and not in this, this ward in particular. Mr. Smith, is that the case in Inglewood? Do you have business people running the business or is it more of ministers and social service people running the economic engine in the 15th ward? <laughs> yeah, we're probably the headquarters for it, uh, definitely. If you go down to Ashley, you would see 50 churches uh, on a three-block span, and I, I get it, you know, especially if I'm a pastor or minister who been in jail and no one's going to hire me, so I established, you know, a, a church, and now I have revenue coming in. I get that. Mr. Saylor, why do you make a statement like that? Ron, listen, I'm in the morgue with young people who've been murdered. I'm very serious about what's happening out here. So hurt feelings, just pray for me. But right now we at war, and, and I think we have to be that serious. You know, it's time out for games in Chicago. We cannot have at 606-36-83 churches, and on Thursday and on Friday they're not open. It's unacceptable. We have to get report cards on them so we can evaluate them giving back to the community block by block. Well, I was asking the question not only with the presence of churches, but also the churches and social service people actually planning the economics of the community, not necessarily just having the churches on the storefronts, but they basically heading the economic agenda. Is that the case in the 15th Ward? 
No, no. Or is it more business people heading the economic agenda in the 15th Ward? No, everyone is is doing their own thing. We have self-preservation at full blast uh, in my ward, unfortunately. Now, on the western part of the ward where the Latino community is strong, they're much more organized and operate in a more functional fashion than on the eastern part of the ward. Uh, well, after uh, again, are, back to my question: Organized by who? Who's but, driving the this economic no, agenda? No, the businessman. You you have friends okay. printing over there. Bill Jones, he's managing and working with the Inglewood, the eastern part of Inglewood, some parts of your <laughs> ward. So so they're organized. But guess what? They suffer through the same mindset that we're trying to break at least on Wednesday. So. Just because you're organized and you're meeting don't mean you're having success. And, and it's unacceptable that in 60636 tonight by 9 o'clock, they're going to spend 33000 on the lottery, which is $13 million. And, and this, this, the black uh, economic group in, in that war won't have one-tenth of that. So, yeah, they're meeting, but meeting well, isn't going to Well, let me, uh, I don't, it may not apply for the uh, 19th war, maybe, maybe not, but how do both of you view the the power of intimate domain uh regarding private property uh being taken by the city for <clears throat> the benefit of the community there have been very few incidents where that has actually happened um I know that when they would um try to maintain and repair the metro line that goes through the community, most people really weren't affected. Um, you know, people go across the train and all of that, and so they fix it. If there's if there are properties near there, they may put a muffler on the sound so that <clears throat> the homes won't get disturbed. Um, so they, they're very sensitive about that, and they don't like try to uproot the people to say, oh, well, because the metro is getting ready to expand and we want to build a bigger little house, say, like on 115th or 111, we're not going to just tear down all the houses that um, are located on the block on the other side. I haven't seen that in the 30 years that I've been here. It's been the same. So eminent domain does occur, but the um, the – the forefathers of this community had a, a lot of great vision. They have, they had a, 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 um, a an idea of how they wanted this community to look, and it basically has remained the same. Um, it has a, a huge aesthetic value to it, and so that that is what's preserved. And there isn't like this huge overlap of the city wanting to come in and do something innovative or to rehab and develop and redevelop and all of that. There's there's not that would be okay. where they would invoke eminent domain. I have not seen right. that in the thirty years that I've been here. Okay, uh Saran, how do you view the power of intimate domain for property uh to be taken by the city for the good of the community? Um, in what manner would I'm you? Personally, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm saying, personally, I'm for it. I believe government needs to have the ability to to exercise the greater good. However, I don't trust government right now, and so I get that, and I wouldn't support that in the current state. But as our city government changes, then it can go back to what I believe. But once again, I'm not the type of leader to impose what I say. 
I will huddle with the people, and I will find out how they feel. I will exercise how I feel, and then come to a judgment on that. Well, you know, the um, when the city of Chicago was in line to have the Olympics, uh, Mayor Daley had intimate domain power over the whole city of Chicago. Uh, as a newspaper reporter, we did investigate to see that if that intimate domain power was uh, dismissed based on the Olympics, was not uh, uh, did not pass. Uh, but the city could not confirm whether that in domain left along with the Olympics. Um, so how would you uh, would you go along? Or uh, it's past tense now, but would you have went along with the city of Chicago having intimate domain power over the whole city? Um, Based I, on I the, would, an example of the Olympics, so to speak. yeah, right. And I mean, it, that's a that's a kind of convoluted question to ask, given that there was so much negativity and unfair behavior going on with the city of Chicago that literally backfired on them, and therefore the Olympics is not here. Um, but in the event of an intimate domain um, mantra, I agree with Mr. Smith. Um, it's always good for government to assume responsibility um, based on the mandate of the people for the betterment of all in the community. I, I think that that is a rational, reasonable response. So that that's basically it. I would agree. But the, the that whole Olympics was just so tainted and so <laughs> evil, and it hurt so many people, and it split so many people, and people saw the whole Mayor Daly and his crew as being so wrong in in what they were doing because the way they were doing people wanted the Olympics, but they didn't want it to be still the same old people will get the contracts. You still exactly. wouldn't get the contract if you look like me or you, you know, and that was the so, concern. Right. Now, with uh, and a little relationship to that is the, uh, the TIF uh, funds. Uh, when the TIF first came out, it was uh, labeled as to be used in blighted areas. Right. Now, say that the loop part of the loop have a TIF area, and based on the tax base, is for one thing the loop is not a blighted area, but it still have a TIF, mm-hmm. and compared to, again, the Inglewood area, and then take the 19th Ward, uh, well, not the Inglewood area, but the 15th Ward and the 19th Ward. Uh, first of all, does the um, the 19th Ward have a TIF that you know of, uh, Ms. Phillips? All, all wards have TIF. All wards have TIF. And one all of the wards have TIF? Everyone is in it. Everyone is in it. So the how do you address yeah, there is the, t- the TIF? And using it, for example, uh, the 19th Ward is not a blighted area. Why would the 19th Ward have a TIF? Well, we would have it because there are areas on the low end, if you will, of the ward on Vincennes. I don't know if you're familiar with Vincennes Avenue. Um, That uh, that needs some improvement. 
a lot of the homes there. You consider there that a blighted area? Oh yeah, yeah. Because there, there, there've been the site. First of all, it's the site, and you go back to law enforcement and the police. But then, um, if the control, uh, etc. Uh, that uh, area, that area over there from Vincennes all the way up to to Longwood, um, basically has been the site of many, many, many um, gang fights and murders. Okay, I well, mean, since it is, is since that is really, a blighted area, mm-hmm. does the TIF in the 19th Ward cover that area opposed to uh, 103rd and Western. Where is that TIF in the 19th Ward? Is it in that area that you say that is blighted? My understanding of the TIF fund is that it's supposed to address the blighted areas of the individual But is it in that particular area? Yeah, it is. It is? Well, it's... It's west of, it's east of 103rd and Western. Vincennes is like maybe 1700 West, and Western is 2300 West. So it's east of it, but it's still within the 19th Ward boundaries. And therefore, if a section of the community is not as good as other sections, the goal of the TIF is to try to ensure that the entire community um, is better developed, and if you have yeah, well, I, I hear that, but I also have this vision of Vincennes that it, it it is more of more blighted than yes, sir. a lot other areas of the oh, 19th yeah, Ward. But is it those is TIF areas? Area. Do you know of the TIF money that's actually being allocated to that area? My understanding is that the aldermen would out and out ignore that area. That's what the residents told me. They wanted me to more or less look into it to find out, if elected, why they would always be left out of all the monies that would be coming into the ward. Um, but this is what I was told. I'm, I do see that there is a huge dichotomy between uh, what's going on on the Vincennes area uh, west to on the other side of Longwood, if you will, um, on my end, you know, the same thing on uh, the lower part, you know, like around 99th and 103rd in that same area. Um, the aldermen is what I was told would, would ignore them, period. Right. They well, felt again, ignored. Yeah. Right, and but so, the- therefore, the TIF monies that would be allocated to the ward would not get to the blighted areas of the ward. It would just okay, go to the area. Actually, you don't have the Pacifics if TIF is in that area and if TIF money has been allocated in that area. Money has or been does allocated. it go to the general pot of the 19th ward? It's been going, it's been going to, to the non-blighted areas. There is okay. What about in the fifteenth uh, ward, uh, uh, Saran Smith? What has been your experience regarding the uh, the TIF? Well, you know, I'm not an expert at all on TIFs. Uh, I do have a couple of people who are, uh, John Paul Jones being one of them, who I will commission to work with me on TIFs. Well, here's what I say though about TIFs, and, and I understand the origin where it began, and I don't think it's serving its purpose anymore. But it goes back to government and trusting government. And I just do not trust the local government. I can't see how Mayor Davis, the chairman of the Public um, Buildings Commission, 
So anything the TIF money is used for, I don't trust it because of the leadership that that will ultimately dictate how it's used. That's Let me ask you a question. You made, you made a little point, uh, a point of information for me. If Mayor, not if, since Mayor Daley would no longer be the mayor, do he still keep his position as chairman of the uh, of the uh, buildings committee? Not once we're elected. <laughs> <laughs> but is that the case? Uh, uh, well, yeah, but can he still be the chairman of that committee and not be the mayor? No, he cannot. He's gone, just like how they shot poor baby Stroger to the, <laughs> but to is, the curb. I mean, I'm asking he you all a logistical question. Is that, I mean, I understand your positions, but legally, can he still remain to be the no, chair no, of that committee? No, no he but cannot. Who He's knows done. what they have hidden in the legislation? No. I don't know, but we're going to work toward the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> He cannot. Okay, well, let me, jump to, uh, black, let me jump to Black Wall Street. Uh Ms. Phillips, I understand that you are going to be on the uh, the agenda for the uh, the Black Wall Street. Um, uh, Saran Smith, were you or are you going to be at the uh, the Black Wall Street Summit this uh, this Saturday? Did we lose Mr. Smith? No, I'm sorry, Brian. What was that? Mr. Smith, go to City Council. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm listening. Are you organizing still? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead, bro. I I that's something else. Okay. I, you made me forget my question. Miss Smith what well, Miss um Miss Phyllis, what was I asking, Saran? You wanted to um ask him if he was gonna be in attendance at your Oh, correct. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, are one, you uh, going to be part of this uh, Black Wall Street Summit this uh, Saturday? Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get your perspective of the, uh, and just to be clear, your perspective of Black Wall Street, meaning to sustain and increase black businesses, that this here particular summit is all eyes on the districts. I'm not for sure if both of you are familiar with the concept with the Black Wall Street districts, which there are 12 in the Chicagoland area now. Uh, but can you two make uh, an assessment of what you feel these summits uh, should be about and your position in how these summits and these Black Wall Streets contribute to the city of Chicago? Well, I think it's very important that people commiserate and come up with an action plan, and that, I think, should be the outcome of any meeting, any roundtable meeting to discuss Black Wall Street. Um, I think people have more or less forgot the importance of what Black Wall Street um, is and does to encourage and ignite uh, black people, black entrepreneurs around economic empowerment and legacy building. And so I think the agenda that you all put before us every three months or so is very, very important for people to really join in and come up with action plan, action plans, pragmatic steps to effectuate real and meaningful change toward economic empowerment. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the um, Black Wall Street districts? And, well, I think uh, that, what's that, your perspective on that? 
Well, I think that's very important primarily because you get nothing done when you operate um, in solo. You get more done when you work in collaboration with various networks of people with the same interests in the same areas or in varying areas. But, I mean, your mission is the same because I think well, your districts include um, what um, some other um, localities, uh, such as Peoria and, and Indiana or something like that, too. Is that correct? Right. Well, there yeah. was a, a reporter that raised the question to me. Mm-hmm. Upon us uh, declaring certain business trips in Chicago as Black Wall Street districts, and they re- raised the question: Isn't that racist, uh, Mr. Smith? What is your view of the reporter's question: Black Wall Street districts as racist? Yeah, Ryan. Are you or- uh, what are you organizing? No, no, no. I, what I'm gonna say to that is because it goes back to when they tried to create black, uh, black town in Detroit. You know, where right. over 80 yeah, percent of Americans. It is when you look at us as a people in America. 800 billion dollars we spend. And, you know, uh, most of it going to outside people. We have to ask the question: uh, Do we really care about this group of people? If so, we have to make sure that money rotates within them. And so I challenge anybody who stands in the way of having dollars rotate in distressed neighborhoods. It, it, yeah, so I'm in total support, and, and I would challenge people. Is to there room that for a black Wall Street district in the 15th Ward? And if so, what would that be? Well, 63rd Street is our main. Yes, it is. And 63rd Street Where? is our main thoroughfare. Where on uh, 63rd Street? Well, I would say this. When you cross Western, going west, between Western and California, it's still predominantly African-American, and that's the greatest opportunity. African-Americans or African-American business? Well, well, you got to have the people who are going to support it. So the businesses are, are minority big time, so we have to work on that. But I'm talking about where you can establish, and you have to have a customer base there. But I would say between California and Western, but the greatest need will be between Ashland and Western on the eastern end, but I, I'm not sure that the economics would be there to support that. So it, it's room to study it. Um, I'm not the expert, but we, we have to talk to them and see what they think. Okay, Ms. Uh, Phillips, is there room for a black Wall Street district in the 19th Ward? Yes, there is, but it will take... Um, Where would that be? Well, what part of the ward would that be? The, with the TIF funds, <clears throat> the Vincennes area um, is an area where you can develop the community to uh, encourage more uh, black entrepreneurship. Um, there is which, a lot. Which, I, I which, think, which blocks a street or this strip is, I'm, area? I'm thinking on the end where I live. I think that if you, as a start, you could establish where is that a at? black wall strip. That's uh, 115th, from 111th to 115th or even further south than that from as far down as 107th on that whole strip on Vincennes, I think. Isn't that more residential? Isn't Vincennes well, more residential? It is, but it's it's a bus line. Um, you know, you have churches and schools on that strip, on that street. Um, you know, even if you go as far as 95th Street, you could make it commercial, and I think a lot of the businesses that are there are Licenses commercial businesses. You do have some. I think if you're saying development 
of a black Wall Street. I think that uh, two-mile stretch from 95th all the way to 115th on Vincennes would be a start to develop. Yes, there are residential. Um, well, you do know I'm the chairman of Black Wall Street, right? Yes, yes. I mean, you, you, and, So you know that's a trick question, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I see it as a trick question. I mean, you want to have Black Wall Streets wherever you can get them. <laughs> and, I mean, you got to start somewhere. You start on your block. You see what I'm saying? You may have right. um, a a Black Wall Street right on my block. I mean, that that's mm-hmm. something. I mean, you can do entrepreneurial activities uh, on your block. Right. Okay. Well, it. let me cut but you off. You know, if this has been good, we're running out of time. I don't, I, I don't know if that's that racism question that you said. Right. I mean, okay. That, clear, was, that was kind of backwards. First of all. Uh, in order for an individual to suggest that you, Mr. Carter, as the chairman of Black Wall Street, is racist by trying to start a Black Wall Street, you know, racism, to have racism, there has to be a power base. If you don't have the power, meaning you don't own the property, you don't own the businesses, you don't have the manufacturing, you don't have the distribution, then you don't have the power and you don't have the money, you don't, you can't be racist. So that question was arrogant disingenuous and they were all wet when they asked it they did that as a bait question journalists often do that just to get a rise out of you um, well i, I, I got to say you, that right that but see again with reporters racist. they have this little uh thing about their sales but after they asked the question the reporter came up to me after the cameras was off and said you know i was just trying to get some excitement there you go but you know, you know that, that was their you. that was their exact well, was words. I just asked what, that to get some excitement, you know. What 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 did you respond? Did you respond to him on tape? Or well, what? I responded by saying you got a white Wall Street built mm-hmm. in the last ten years, and that white Wall Street is the near South Side and the near West Side. You built a hundred and seventy-five thousand housing units for white people, so mm-hmm. you don't call it white Wall Street. But it's a white Wall Street, and you know it was built for white people. So right. that's how I responded to it. They okay. didn't say anything yeah. about so it. So you at least you showed race, some race, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Right. I mean, they just. <laughs> so, look, we're getting at the end of the uh, show. Okay. We got to get your final comments, and we got to bring our um, our co-host, Sonia Purdue, back on. But can you take a couple of minutes give me a in uh, our listeners, a a, a why you uh, for the alderman and what would be the difference, not necessarily between the current or the past alderman, but from the other candidates? I think um, I, I would like to speak regarding that. I bring diversity to this ward and maturity. I'm 58 years old. Uh, I have a uh, stellar academic background where I've actually um, uh, run programs and within government, and uh, now I'm, I'm running my own business. And it takes regular people who raise their children within the community who are sensitive about the needs of everybody in the community to pull together a multiracial ward and move forward um, because one of the main things here is diversity, diversity not only in terms of gender and race, but also in ideas, and people coming from different perspectives. That is what grows the community, having the same people doing the same thing 
um, the same time, you definitely are not going to get a different result. You're going to get the same result. Not to say that that result has been always bad, uh, because some of what the incumbent did previously was good. Everything was not good, and there is a need for change. And so that is what I bring uh, to the ward. I will be, if elected, the first African-American person to ever represent the 19th ward, which is a hysterical, which is historical in uh, in general uh, as it relates to um, where we've come here in the city of Chicago. Okay, uh, Mr. Smith, uh, why are you uh, above the president, alderman, and above the other candidates? And my understanding is that you all have how many candidates? <laughs> Well, ten in the fifteen ward. Okay. I, I well, you're would not say like that the uh, you're not like the twenty uh, the, somewhere on the west side. They got about twenty automatic candidates. Right. So right. So why are you above the other candidates uh, to be aldermen? Well, you know, Ron, I ran for mayor in two thousand and seven, and the reason I ran is because of the centralized uniform delivery system. Could centralized uniform delivery system. I honestly believe that this is what it's going to take to help black people all over America get organized in a way that when we have an issue, we can pick up the phone and have that issue resolved with grassroots people that's just organized by their strengths. I don't see another candidate that has that focus and philosophy or that dedication to be out there in them households meeting people and finding out what it is that God gave them to do that we can then link them to people who have a like spirit and let them take off and go. So that's why I'm running. That's why I think I'm the only one that can do this, and uh, I believe that people are going to respond. And, and even in the event that they don't, come Wednesday, February 23rd, I'm going to still be out there block by block organizing. So you have a commitment there from me. Well, you know, Sarad, I have to say now that uh, we know the integrity and the focus of Ms. Uh, Phillips, but prior to me knowing you, uh, Ms. Phillips, there was some um, gossip going around Chicago that uh, there was two candidates that people got to watch, and that was uh, Sarad Smith and Ron Carter. So say Sarad Smith and Ron Carter are running in the same ward, who are you going to support? Well, I'd support both of you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you probably shouldn't answer that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would. I mean, seriously. How are you going I to support would, both of us? You got to vote for one and, of them. And again, I mean, for real, that's what's going on here in the 19th ward. I mean, that's a real situation. Um, and I'm a negotiator. You see what I'm saying? I'm not a person that wants to set up an adversarial relationship. Um, I have actually developed a relationship with the front runner here in the 19th Ward, Mr. Matthew O'Shea. We are right. friends. It's not adversarial. Okay. It is a, um, a situation where we are trying to work together. It's right. not a problem. And I think that is the greater point that people need to do and do successfully to have a win-win situation. I'm a businesswoman. You don't try to just set up relationships where you're on this side and the other one is on that side and never the twin twins shall meet. You should come together. Collaboration, it's the best way 
it's a proven way to get anything done, in my view. Okay. Well, look, I want to thank both of you all for all being right. on the program. Um, I have definitely had some good insight. Uh, I could not steal any of you all ideas as a candidate because we basically are from the same roots in our agenda and looking forward to each one of us to be victorious in order to have a more impact uh, for other automatic candidates or aldermen to follow the examples that we are portraying here. Uh, so, again, I want to thank you uh, for being on Chicago's Black Business Network, Black Wall Street, uh, Blog Talk, and Miss um, Sonia. I'm here. I guess you gave me about 60 seconds. That's all I get. But oh, that's <laughs> No, you're not. No, you're not. Every week, he doesn't let me talk on his show. It's okay. It's actually my show. But anyway, <laughs> Miss Diane Phillips and Mr. Siron Smith, I do appreciate you taking the time this evening to come over and be a part of Black Wall Street USA. Hope that we do see you this Saturday, December 4th, All Eyes on the District. That's at Prince Hall Masonic Temple, 809 East 42nd Place in Chicago. Yes, Ms. Phillips has been to a summit, and she answers the question about the summit better than anybody I've ever heard. She knows what's going on there. That's a great thing. <laughs> Thank you, Sonia, my friend. I paid her to say that, everybody else. Not yet, she did. Not yet, she did. But okay. 8 a.m. to 4:30 p.m. Our national president, Mr. Michael Carter, Sr. We're expecting him in tomorrow evening from San Diego. We look forward to him uh, calling the summit to order and uh, giving that keynote report on the Black Wall Street districts across the nation. And he's going to share information with us about the upcoming summit uh, in Baton Rouge in 2011. Ron Carter, thanks for a great show. We've had some good shows here. We do hope before February, as it heats up, that we have uh, some more roundtables like this uh, with the candidates uh, from the all the wards across Chicago, and Diane and Cyron, maybe we can get you on so that you can interview Ron, who's candidate for the 17th ward. It'll oh, wow. Uh, that, that's got to read up of what's, what's happening in the 17th. Huh? That's right. I just right. a general point. It is so exciting. I think it is wonderful that so many people have decided to put their hat in the ring and run for something. Um, it's as if you know, ding dong, the wicked witch is dead, and everybody is stepping up and doing something. I think that, at the end of the day, is probably the best thing that, that Mayor Daly could have done for all the citizens to know that they are free to get up and, <laughs> Very well. and run. Right. Okay. Thank you, guys. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you very much. You listen okay. to Black Wall Street USA, and we look Come back next week. We'll be right here at www.blogtalkradio.com next Thursday evening, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Thank you for uh, being with us. Good night, Mr. Okay. Carter. Good night, Good night. Uh-huh. Good night. Bye-bye. Have a great evening. Good night, everyone. <laughs>